Hi, I'm Shari De Silva, curator of the Jeffrey Bauer Art and Archival Collections at the Lunuganga Trust. This podcast is part of the Bauer 100 program, a celebration of the architect's 100th birthday. Jeffrey Bauer was famously silent about his work. There are only a handful of records where he opens up about his influences, routines and practice. He also rarely saved material like correspondence or sketches, which often form the core parts of an archive. The Oral Histories Project tries to fill this void by collecting the memories, stories and experiences of Bawa's friends, clients and colleagues. In today's episode, we have artist Lucky Sinanayaka with us. Lucky's prolific body of work spans a wide range of media, which includes painting, architecture, sculpture and landscape design. More recently, he dived into digital art. Lucky began his career as an architectural draftsman. After losing his first job because he established a trade union, he started working for architect Valentine Gunasekra. At age 18, Lucky began working with Jeffrey Bauer at Edwards Reed and Beck, where Valentine was also a partner, only leaving the firm a few years later to collaborate with Jeffrey's dear friend and client, Ina De Silva, on her Batik workshop. Lucky and Jeffrey continued to work together on several key projects, and Lucky did the large-scale murals and reliefs for Jeffrey's Triton and Neptune hotels. He also did the chandelier for the Sri Lankan Parliament Chamber, which was inspired by a drawing he did of a double coconut tree at the Peradhenia Botanical Gardens. And he did the larger-than-life sculptural staircase at the Lighthouse Hotel in Gaul. In September 2018, I visited the Abubula, Lucky's home in Dambula, which is an oasis for monkeys, birds and monitor lizards, who coexist with Lucky's magical sculptures of animals. Lucky spoke about the influence of music on his work, the time he spent with Ina de Silva, and Jeffrey's avid collection of his art. What is your first memory of Jeffrey Bauer? I was on a diving board at the Otters Club. I used to spend most of my time diving off the springboard. And then some secretary came and said, there are these two very tall gentlemen who have come to see you. So I looked and there were Jeffrey and babies, tall as hell. And they want to see me because they were going to plan in Trincomalee in Fort Frederick, which is a fortress. Uh, for the tourist board, there were old British colonial buildings and they were going to make it into a hotel. So they wanted me to go and measure and draw that whole measurements of the building so they could design. So that's how I met him. Brother looked like a sea lion, but he looked British. But I knew they, they were related, but they had similar faces. But I knew, because he was also burger, I guess. So I was, you know, <laughs> I, I would have been maybe 18 years old or something, yeah, or 18 years old. No, the diving board was designed earlier, but that's how I was diving on. Maybe 19, no, 
uh, the diving board was when I was like 18 years old, I think. Uh, and it was there, and it was built, and then that was the one I was practicing diving on. And that's how I met both of them. I was at the time working with his partner, uh, Valentine Kunasekar, uh, doing his private work drawings and things. And Jeffrey had seen the drawings, and, and he came with that Valentine had along with me and Turner Vikramasinghe and Yalamara Singh were students. He was telling us about architecture and had tricks and we were doing uh, essays of, you know, excuse or something. And for one of the quits he had invited Jeffrey to come to discuss the three works that he had done. Jeffrey saw that I could draw. And then soon after that, at that time I was out of job where I just been sacked from the company I was working for earlier. So I, w- I had no employment. And he and Valentine uh, suggested that I come and work for them at Edward Gideon Bay. The head of Edward Gideon Bay, the chief top man, was Mr. Dilgiria, who I had to interview with him. And he said, now, are you going to start a trade union here? <laughs> so he said, well, if it, if it merits it, I will certainly start a trade union. Yeah, you too. Yeah, but there's nothing. You can start a trade union. You're not, you're not threatening to do anything. You just join a trade union to safeguard yourself. These idiot employees, the, the, the company, I, I just started, joined this Kalamu Mergantile Union, which is a big union, and we just became a we joined them and they said, my God, you're going to start strikes and probably sacked us. And they had a huge problem going to court and eventually we won the case, uh, I won the case, because they said me to start. Because they didn't understand the labor laws or any of those things. They were arguing, they didn't bother to even check it, you know. So that's how I started. And, but later, uh, he added me. There was in fact a strike and we, we were not involved but all the mem- members of the union were called out as sympathy striking for two or three days. So all of us were sitting outside uh, <laughs> Jeffrey's place and uh, playing guitars and having a good time. <laughs> Do you have a favorite memory maybe? Yeah, I used to spend a whole lot of time with him mostly at every weekend at Lunuganga with Ulrich Plesner was also a constant. We used to go there to work on plans and, you know, it was a nice place to be. But we did a lot of work there. And then we come back and during the week I set all these things out like a draftsman, you know, properly done to scale and that sort of thing. So I was, uh, took his ideas and made them into drawings that the contractors and people could build. So over the weekends you were designing the... Yeah, working with him oh. and thinking of all the mad ideas and then coming and working the final things, you know, like drawing from municipal, this and all Oh, right, right. But in the early 60s you were living there at some point? Uh, were you at some point a guardian of Rudakanga? No, 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 no. No, the, then much later, after I had left Jeffries. And I got hepatitis. I was here. And I got hepatitis. I was very sick. And at that time, Jeffrey had just started 
doing passion fruit and pineapple. So 75, 70, 75, that was the time that I got sick. So like in 1976, I spent about six months at Jeffrey's place because he wanted me, like convalescing, because I couldn't really do anything much, to come and look after his uh, passion fruit and things. So I was there as well as doing drawings for him and doing things. So I was like six months there, convalescing there. But that was in about 75 years, that's the time. So how did the, the mural come about? I was there doing nothing, there is very nice large wall. <laughs> Yeah, I like large walls. <laughs> so he said, oh, give me some paints. And the oil, you know, what you use for painting on the wall, not oil paint, you know, Robinac or that sort of stuff. He used to come the weekend. So when he came, I was already painting and he was delighted. He likes painting anyway. His houses are full of both Lunuganga and Kalambo full of artworks. You look, I did that more of my artworks as anything is there. But he only bought two. <laughs> All the rest were given to him by me for free. Bevis was quite a different person, you know, to Jeffrey. I used to give him the, my drug. A, I didn't sell things anywhere at that time. And because they were in a nice place, the Lunuganga was a nice place place to have paintings in and I go there so I can see them because if it was in someone else's place I don't go there. So that's why it's full of artworks all over the place there. A brief accounting of what I know certainly in his bedroom. There's one in his bedroom which is a singular rainforest with birds in, in gold leaf. Yes. Which I did here. That was a cupboard and I was broke. And now to earn that money, I did that painting and took it to, it to him and he bought it for 2,000 rupees. That is one of them. And there's another one, gold leaf, it's in Colombo, of a leopard and two hunters, big doorway that I did for him. Those are the only two things that he bought from me. Do you know if he had a favorite work of yours? Well, I know one of the very first sculptures that I did at Lunuganga, which is how I learned how to weld at Lunuganga, which I did there, and it has always been on his desk for years at the actual place house where the Fernando's place is. That was the drawing office. And he had this long concrete table, which you see and the sculpture was here. And he wouldn't even, occasionally when I had to get it for an exhibition, he made a huge fuss and my God, you can't move. Like, the be silly, it's made out of lead and nothing in that. Is this the one which has... Glass. It's no, called no. Submerged Cathedral. That's, you know, Debussy? Yes. Who I used to listen to a lot. Had a piece of music for the piano called the Submerged Cathedral. La Cathedral Angloitier. Yeah, for some reason, music has always, not that I'm trying to make something out of the music, quality of the music makes me do paintings and sculptures. In fact, lots of my paintings are homage to Beethoven or homage to Bach, guys I like, this was a funny. But music has to do with my painting. 
quite a lot in things that I have done. In fact, I used to do watercolor paintings that were like musical sheets, you know, when you write music, nice calligraphic form, that sort of thing. Are the, the cosmic ones, are they a different yeah. series? Because I was also into uh, looking at the sky with Ina and Siva. We had a telescope and we used to spend a lot of time looking at the sky. It's wonderful. Most people don't look up. I don't know why. It's, uh, fantastic things are going on up there. Were you listening to the music or did you have the title when you started? No, I, well, I had the music. I was listening to it. But... It's only after I did it and used the glass that the idea that it had this cathedral-like look. When I was doing it, you know the famous Gaudi Sagrada Familia. Now that was in my mind, cathedral as sculpture, not as a religious place. So that was in the back of my mind, which is why I made it like that. So then I said that the Debussy thing would be a good idea. Did you go to go back to Bulgaria because you were there for a while in the mid seventies? I joined Jeffrey in '59, if I remember. Uh-huh. Just uh, in '58, there was this huge riot in 1958, which W R D Bandana created, and soon after that. So like in 1959, that I started working with Jeffrey. So from that time, most weekends I used to go up to Runuganga. Most of the time, unless I was doing something else. So but, you really saw it change it. Oh yes, it is really wonderful to see how things happening. Uh, that was a part of it, used to go there and now figure out now what to do with this part of the garden, now with that. So it was like, changing things in the garden, adding sculptures here or then suddenly he said he wanted to have a hen house full of <laughs> battery chicken but he didn't want the mess of a hen house. So all of these things were designed and made while being with him there. There is so much of your work mm-hmm. in Manukaga, which is why I... Even the two drawings that that has had given, I couldn't even recall them. I don't know when I did I should write. When I'm there, while we're doing there, I should do all sorts of drawings and create things there. And I never cared these things, I used to throw them about the place. They were just there. Chifri likes to keep the forest at a distance. I mean, I remember in Lunukang, if there was a cover going on the lawn, you would get it chased off and removed to the forest. He hates reptiles and snakes. And for him, that's why he's big lawns. He's keeping the forest. So, I used to tell him, why do people have lawns? I mean, we never had lawns here. Lawns arrived with the British. They had lawns because actually, a lawn was for them a question of wealth. Those had perfectly green patch of grass that made nothing. They couldn't grow anything. They never earned any money. So, for the poor people, this was a matter of wealth. They could have this huge acre of grass that had to maintain a lot, keep it going, and they didn't make any money. If their lawn was in bad shape, it meant they were in bad shape. In Jeffrey's case, he had these to keep with his wild place. No, 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 no. Because those days, I mean, it was quite a wild place. 
and you could even have had crocodiles in the lake. So it's keeping the forest away from the house. In my case, I want the forest to be, in fact, he was here once when I had built the house and he looked at it and said, I don't think I approve of this open plan very much, Lucky. For him, he wants enclosure because the world is imploding on him, so many things going on. In my case, I was born like in a forest situation when I was young and I liked it, so that's why it's all open. Actually, you live here, you are living with about 50 different species of animals, monkeys, cowgirls, and I even had a crocodile, pythons, and snakes of all sorts, but nothing has happened. When you were at Nulunganga with the hen house, was it similar? But now it feels like a place that we are, it's sort of static a little bit. Yeah, yeah, with no one there doing it. Yeah, at the time, did it have that? Yes, yes, my God, it was full of all sorts of fun. We were building, there were several different buildings that we were building, one right at the, as you drive up, there's a long building, which that's where I lived when I was convalescing. Oh, the gatehouse? That's, that's one. Uh. Let me tell you a wonderful story of Jeffrey Bauer. Designed Nina de Silva's house, right? And Nina is a wonderful person, full of her own ideas. So when the whole house was designed and she is moving in with her furniture, and I was there, and Jeffrey comes in, and starts telling her where to put the furniture around. And Jeffrey looked Jeffrey, I love you, my dear, but I am not going to let you tell me where to put things where in my house. <laughs> you never get Jeffrey things, planning things in a diagonal. For in a room like this, he won't have a bed at a diagonal. It will be formally aligned with the room. In everything in his place, the Lulukamba, you look the table where the, the books are, all placed precisely, right? Ina has put things in all of the places you go to her house, it's nothing like Jeffrey's at all. You did a lot of work that he commissioned yeah. for like a specific place. Yeah. Very much a specific like, yeah, location. Yeah, yeah. How did those relationships work? <laughs> First of all, I like what he did and the spaces that he was, I was happy. But he used to start off with saying, my God, he is, do whatever you like. And then he said, but don't you think a leopard would be good there? <laughs> <laughs> but he would suggest to various things. And I mean, I, I like doing leopards or whatever it is. My thing is to figure out how to do it on wherever it is to be. I remember there was huge ceiling drawing I did for the Indo-Suez Bank, the fort, which was later burnt down after the bomb blast for the central bank next door. And it had a 2,000 square foot drawing on the ceiling, which was to be, you know, like my forest drawings. But neither he nor anyone else knew, except for people like Dominic and various people who were with me, that this was a highly erotic drawing. And no one could figure out what was going on. It looked like a whole lot of forest and shrubs, you know. But it was utterly erotic in the whole thing. He definitely didn't know it at all. I just I like to do these little things for the fun of it. I had some photographs of it somewhere a long time ago. Then he got burned down, the whole thing. It's 2,500 square feet of, like the 
Triton Hotel, which is also like a 3,000 square feet of big wall. So, I, not for him, I wouldn't have been able to do all these large paintings or even sculptures, you know. How would you do it? Where would you yeah. keep it? You know? Thank God for him that I let me do all these things. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Triton and his lighthouse. Yeah. So in those, I'm curious like how... House, he had this drawing which is called the Portuguese Arriving Under a Cloud, which is a drawing I did maybe in 64 or something. And he called me, I was living here, he called me and said, hey, can you do this drawing on the wall? This huge 40 foot diameter, big huge thing for me to draw that whole drawing on the wall. So he said, look, that'll take a long time because I'm the one who's drawing. So he said, why not? We do it as a balustrade sculpture. It means I can get other guys to work. So he said, okay. And he didn't really know what was happening until I had fitted it up. He thought that the balustrade is that high. And he thought it would be a sculpture like this going along the edge of the top. It's bigger than life size, the whole thing. He he was thunderstruck, but he didn't expect the huge sculptural thing to be there. I had done some drawings. Which had been, there are some drawings in the book, catalog, yeah. showing little parts when I was thinking about it. No? Yeah. Eventually, what I did, I started out drawing a mini horse and then everything went on from there. But he had no idea about it at all. <laughs> Once I started, I wouldn't bother about it. I mean, there are people there, but I wouldn't pay attention to whatever they were this, saying. That work is amazing. We also the Parliament, the no, that was amazing. I was working here and I had been drawing the Pedene Botanical Gardens. There's a whole avenue of double coconut trees going there. And I had painted them and drawn them from one leaf to two leaves to three leaves to the full tree, the female tree, in fruit, whole lots of these drawings where I like the tree. So when I went, he said, my God, uh, lucky me, have to have a chandelier hanging in this thing. So I said, fine, give me a sheet of paper and immediately sketch the final drawing exactly like there. I had it in mind the same thing. He said, wonderful, wonderful, do it. And that's how he did it. It took five minutes to do the drawing. <laughs> Your subjects do go from 2D to 3D. Back and forth, quite a bit. From drawing to sculpture, back to drawing. Yes, yes, though. I'm doing all of them, my dear. Plus, making buildings and doing gardens. All of them are fine. I like doing all these crazy things. Let me show you one of my inventions. Oh, yeah. For me, actually, I think I'm a better. uh, I invent. Unfortunately, I have not earned any money from it. The invention game is like the art game. No, you see, you play Scrabble. I used to, yes. Let me show you my invention on Scrabble, (laughs) which is a much better invention. My name is is like Scrabble, mine is called Babel. It is done entirely to be played on a computer screen, so it can be used on a board, but 
my game starts like that. Now it's like a game, complete scrabble game, completed. But each word, the letters are jumbled. So you don't know what the word is. You know why I started this? In scrabble, there's element of chance. Unlike chess, in scrabble, if you pick up a whole lot of vowels to start with, you're pretty much out of the game. So I want to make it different. So I started this. So now you see now, now in this game, now the, you like scrabble, you start working on this, on highlighted word. Right? So now there are four of us playing. You don't have to wait till the other three people play. You have to wait now. I'm playing with my aunt to take straight. Now this, all four people are two or three are playing at the same time. So it depends who is much more tension, tension in the game because each trying to score. Now, which of us decides what the, this word is, you can figure it out. I know, unfortunately, I made the game. <laughs> but let, I know what it is. If I click on it and say, and I put the correct word, which is Picayune. Picayune means a small amount, small sum. Picayune. Right? And if, it, if that word is correct, now this, it changes to the correct word. Oh. Now you see, you can work on any one of these three or four. Now, if, for example, if this is going to a triple letter score, I may decide that's what to go by. It's a triple word. All the rest is the same as Scrabble. And if I decide, okay, I'm going to try this, then I can work that out. So let's uh, take this one and I click on it. And I don't know where that for this, but this is a flower. This is a yellow flower called a jonquil. Mm. So now you can work on that. Because I thought of the fact that there is a problem in Scrabble. Well, I thought of it. I thought the first thing is to have it so that all four people can play. You're not giving one separate ties. And I thought then definitely the computer is the place to do it all. Because you can work it out. Both is a small tile. You can't make this around. Yeah. So from each of these, so you score on this. Now I've been trying to sell it. I, in fact, sent this to Scrabble on Google. Yeah. I sent it there, whatever guy, saying, below, I think this is a very interesting game. They didn't even bother to reply. I, they could have bought it and sold it as a separate game. Saying, I would say it's a better game than Scrabble. But you can keep Scrabble there the whole time. But you could add this as another game. In fact, I used to, for about a year, Read it in Sunday Times. There's a crossword page in Sunday Times. Yeah. Did any of these inventions kind of carry over to any of those collaborations? I used to make chair or furniture. Really? For you know, for various things that we needed some particular sort of furniture. Uh-huh. Uh Like the tune, yeah. all sorts of things there. Yeah. Uh, like body leaves on the wall. And, I mean, did you just figure out, like, how to do, did you do a lot of tests, or was one thing leading to another? No, I used yeah, you, you can see that there are wonderful uh, masons who can put plaster on a wall without dropping everything all over the place. <laughs> and I, there was such a wonderful mason. So I used to sit and draw the drawings in Neptune. Instantly, that's one of my brilliant ideas. How to draw on a large surface. Now, there, if you look at one of them, I think Tritonel, huge teleport palm tree, that's yes. about big drawing. Now, 
I have to draw that whole thing on the wall with all the leaves and everything drawn so that this mason can put it into plaster. Now, if you are standing on a palanchi and trying to draw <laughs> from here to there, you can't, you know, that's as much as you can draw. Yeah. But this is the, the leaf stem starts and goes on, it goes on for 10 feet. So, I was thinking now how to do this drawing. Then, I used to fish from the fishing rod, the chitupitas. So, the chitupita, I fixed the pen to the end. And with that, you can do brilliant, huge drawing, perfect drawn. It's like drawing small, but this gives you a very good grip and you can paint and you're doing it. So, I, all of those drawings are done using a kitul picture. And now I use for drawing porcupine quills. Yeah. Did I have a quill? Yeah. Best thing for drawing, better than pens. I, I use them the whole time for drawing all the sort of stuff I do in ink or whatever it is. You sharpen it like calligraphic pen and file it down. And you can use it for drawing thick lines, thin lines, wonderful thing for drawing. Now, that's another invention. I don't think anyone uses it. I have told many artists here, yeah, quill use this. It's very good for drawing. But as far as I do, I thought anyone uses it. I suddenly thought I'd start a porcupine farm. And they're pretty expensive. You go to England, goose quills and all are pretty expensive. I knew that they were using goose quills those oh. days for calligraphy. And I was learning calligraphy myself. Now, we don't have goose quills uh, here, <laughs> then, you know. And th- that needs to be hard. You have to put it in chemical and make it hard. The porcupine quills, you see it on box. They use it in jewelry, you know. Those yes. days they have boxers with porcupine quills. And I have a couple of them here and there were plenty of porcupines around here. So he just took it, cut it and started using it. There's a technique of doing it, how to make it properly. But that's a simple matter. But once you do it, it's absolutely wonderful for painting and drawing. Did you use it? Because you have, you like the, so you try to, it's a... Those are felt pens. You know, the trouble with drawing with ink on a flat surface, the ink drips it down. The felt pen, it holds it, yes. no? So all of those are drawn with felt pen, where you can draw straight. Otherwise, you have to draw on a flattish surface. Many artists don't think about the simple ways of doing things. And we were doing batik. Tina and I, we had a wonderful time. Now, we knew about batik. And there was this woman, Soma Udabagi, who... She had got a scholarship to go to Thailand to learn batik. And she went and spent six months there and learned batik. And when she came here, she was a part of this women's group, like okay. Maida Samiti group that Ina was running. And she wanted this girl to tell all these people to show them how to do batik. This woman started a class of her own and said, No, no, you have to pay me 350 rupees to join the class. So Ina said, Up yours then said, okay, so now we've tried to figure out how to do batik. So what did we do? She and I went and opened the Britannica Encyclopedia to batik. And looked at it and there it said, it's a wax resist process. They don't give you any details, but they say that it's a wax resist process. And this and that, and the technique. So we started, so we bought wax, the paraffin wax, and made it down and started using it. 
and you are dying with Makiro uh, Chrome and Queen King can you know what you could yeah. get to figure out how to do it and eventually then we found that there were dyes in Bauer and Company which were for doing and we bought some of those dyes and we started doing batik entirely self-taught and we figured out the problems of doing it first of all they they have a fine thing called the jar thing which is a copper plated thing like a like a, a, a small tank with a tube so the the, the heated x comes out of it in a fine line and they do all the little dots and things now the problem is in the, the, this amount of wax now this cools the wax cools fast and then you can't draw so you have to keep dipping it into hot wax and that's a big problem so we started using brushes paint brushes right now the problem with paint that is after a short time the brush deteriorates based in hot it's wax so now we're wondering what to do with this so the first thing i said look this wax is getting too hot i was into cook i used to cook as well i like cooking so i didn't know we what you call a ban maria honey we take the hot wax and put it in a bowl of water that bowl of water can only get hot as much as that so that's ideal for wax if it gets hotter everything burns out So we started off by using a much simpler way of using wax, not heated wax. When you boil wax on a flame, as it gets hot, it starts catching fire on top. Evaporation on it. So we solved that and worked the thing out. Now we are using brushes without getting them ruined. And then the guy those days they used to have kerosene being sold in little a guy comes with a barrel to your gate with a big funnel and gives you your so many gallons of stuff so now I was watching him pouring the petrol I think kerosene through this into this little funnel in any case and then I thought now this is simple I took his huge funnel and stick with a long pointer there and fill that full of wax with this thing and using that I started drawing on a piece of cloth you get big strips of wax you are not holding properly but you are doing you are getting big shapes so on a sari I was doing huge designs of wax very cheap so from that we made much smaller ones that you could hold with one hand we lift the thing up and down and hold the thing and you could draw like this and that solves the whole problem because now no problem of brushes getting thing and that is a brilliant idea and that's now what they use now they have made also other springs to make it better but it's essentially that you're using the same thing the funnel and a point to make it and then it was like singular new year time and this huge open courtyard and we are doing the batik there but there were these women with the are making kokisachos with the fire and then put their little brass thing which they put into that and take it and fry it so i said hey, that's brilliant so you <laughs> take put that into wax and put it on a cloth and you get it my god you all the borders for the thing we made all the different designs which you just put in Each time, it's not like painting, you know. Each time you do one, you have one. 
every block pit, the elves will be stunning. Now, there's another brilliant invention. Uh, unfortunately, we ran that company for 10 years, but we hardly earned any money from it at all. We had a good time. But, but you see, like it said, there's a working like that. You get all sorts of brilliant ideas of how to, whatever the system is going, how to make it better and cheaper. Now, Batik has gone out of fashion, I don't know what. I mean, those days we were doing huge amount of saris and dresses and huge uh, wall hangings and things. Were you involved with the ceiling? The better to be the ceiling? By then I had left Ina's okay. and was doing something else, working on my own. But I was helping them to do the dyeing. I actually, I was more interested in the dyeing of material than actually, you know, you have to design for a lot of people, you know. You're doing design and they are doing it. It's, that's why I left. But in the end, I was not doing things on my own. I was designing oh. for other people to work, which is also fun. But I I like to do things on my own. That's the same thing as Bati. Uh, yeah. It's, was it, it from that time? Yeah, yeah, from the time. That was the acrylic sheet, using wax to get the design and then getting it by using some uh, whatever other acid to strip off the top surface and that was the idea of using acrylic. It, acrylic was the first time it was used there and Jeffrey had got a sample and said, my god here, can we use this? He said, yeah, okay, let me okay. <laughs> So you just got the material and came up? Yeah, you think of what you can do with it. I knew that you had to use some acid resistant thing to change the surface. So by using wax, you protect parts of it. That won't change. The rest will change. No one else could go there unless you are invited. It's quite different. Here, every top they can have company, they don't even realize it's my residence. They walk through here and this is their grandmother's back garden. Truly, I mean, this is like a hotel the whole time. People who I have never met who just come from the gate and say, my, we came to see the Devogula. That's what it's known as because the spring from a long time ago, you know, pilgrims who come. Oh, the spring was already caused? It oh. was here. It was the ancient spring and the pilgrims who come to the temple, they come here and they are on their way to somewhere mm-hmm. else and they stop here to refresh themselves. So when I came here, the road that you come on was really a government road that came to the spring. Then this rich man who owns all the land, they could walk across from here. There's a small stream and walk. He built a dam here and that got flooded so they want to walk across so he had to give them another road through his land. So they could come to here and then go back. So after some time, very few people came but there were still busloads of elderly ladies coming, my and all. So whoever comes, I have never stopped them from coming in. So it's always overhouse, say from 72 or so. This was a commune farm. It was a really good commune farm. We grew a lot of wonderful things. We didn't earn money because when you go to sell it, it's a terrible thing. But now, strangely enough, that time there were altogether something like 14 people who were a part of the commune. None of them had any jobs. We were growing things. Now, finally, after 50 years, there are four of them who were original members of the commune who are still here, living with me. We mean like 50 years we have run a commune and all together now the commune ranges to about 62 people with 
children and you know, they are married and they are this and that. Eh? So I have like a workforce of 62 people who I want to do with the large. I can summon them all to come and help me. Where, where did you cultivate? When you came in, all that was bare, barren, there was no trees, it was totally bare. And those are made to clear these and we used to grow chilies and soya beans and bombay onions and whatnot. All sorts of things. But, and it's a fun, I like going, taking water from here to there and all sorts of interesting things. Incidentally, I have worked out what I call my poor man's subsoil drip feed irrigation. I know my nephew, he was mangoes and he had from Ginasena this drip feed thing that drips from above. Now there's several bad things in it. Especially you need to have a mortar to drive it. So these are tiny pipes. So the frictional resistance from here to there, it won't. So you have to have a mortar, not drip feed or not gravity feed. Mine is a big pipe that is just simply cheap polythene going under the ground. And wherever there is a tree, you make a small hole with a needle and it drips a little bit of water throughout the day, little bit at a time. All the trees that you see there, that were forest trees, initially they were fed by this system of drip feed. So you don't waste soil evaporation. Now the other thing, the water drops here, around your tree it's wet. So all the all the weeds grow right there, but that's wet. So you have to keep pulling those. Now in this case, the top is dry. The water is six feet underneath near the root. So you don't see any water on the top, so you don't have weeds growing. So it's much better system. And I'm using now again to get people to do it is a big problem. So I'm getting various people I'm doing gardens for and telling you use this. You save a huge amount of water. And especially if you are in like in Nilavali where water is scarce. I mean so now that's I think one of my really brilliant ideas. You can use it for growing rice seed. You use water a lot in your work. Yeah. In the yeah. Yeah, I use water every in my childhood I was either mostly in the sea when we lived near the sea or I was in a swimming pool. So one of the two I was most of the time in water. And I mean it's a nice what way I mean I had a great time with working with Bob. And thank God to me, I would never be an artist. The artist you have to have some social connection. If you are a poor guy in Polonaro, you are unlikely how good you are, you are unlikely to get anywhere. You didn't see my new billboard. No. What's happening? I am and I think I'm the only person with his own billboard in Kirimandala Mahavata in Colombo. And it's called Right now it has a huge ad for this landscape garden exhibition that Max did of this huge lake. That's the current one. But soon it's be now and then I change it. The whole idea it's called I have my own gallery. It's called the, the square foot gallery. Where all things are sold like everything else by the square foot. No rubbishy nonsense of hundred thousand rupees for the no. Everything is sold by the square foot. Prints, whatever I do, is sold so that people can buy it cheap. 
now uh, most of my friends they like my paintings but none of them can afford to pay 20,000 rupees for that much and some of them are more expensive so they can't buy my artwork so instead of which I have been doing prints animated videos, digital prints they are much cheaper and they can afford to buy it instead of spending huge sums of money so that board is called a Show you. It's amazing. The square foot gallery. <laughs> I don't know why people haven't thought of it before. So the billboard is the gallery. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I can do all sorts of things whenever I have the way. money. Now what am I? You know, I excel all sorts of things. These are my single painting. And all sorts of different things. Earlier I had a whole... The board was showing you how you can build a very cheap house out of corrugated asbestos sheet the building and everything on it so you could look at it and build it yourself so it's good no one knows about these things it's much cheaper to build than spending huge sums of money that the architects ask you to build so from that how long have you had this? no it's about four months or something it cost 600,000 rupees for the year so I thought if from that I can sell one large painting and cover that cost, yeah. the rest is for free. So I can do whatever I like mm-hmm. on it. But these days I would have a huge lot of erotic drawings on it that will throw Kalambu into a fit. <laughs> 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 Just to, you know. Just keep them on their toes. Yeah. <laughs> so all sorts of different things that I can use this. And not just for promoting myself or paintings. In fact, I was thinking I can ask other artists who would like to use this, you can uh, have it for free. So, I mean, there are these poor guys, they are on the Vyarmadevi yeah. Road on the ground. They have no exhibition. They are not in, again, they are not in the right class. This is the problem. So, if one has this, you can let them have their own exhibition things. We would like to thank the trustees of the Jeffrey Bauer Trust and our generous patrons and sponsors for the Bauer 100 program. Dave Nelson and I get produced this episode. This podcast is copyright to the Jeffrey Bauer Trust. All rights reserved. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at archive at gbtrust.net. We would love to hear from you. To find more resources on Jeffrey Bauer, attend our events or volunteer, You can visit our website or follow us on social media. Please hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to leave us a review because this helps people find us more. Until next time, take care.